Hello and welcome to Camera Eats First. My name is Devin. And I'm Catherine. And together we are two market girls. We run a vegan YouTube channel and a blog. And this is our podcast where we talk about things like veganism, how we make our recipes, how we run our blog. We do some trending news topics in the vegan world. And for this episode, we're going to do something new. We're going to add something to that. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about a food movie. And this is kind of something that we thought we might make a recurring segment on the podcast where we talk about either a movie or TV show that is about food in some way. Yeah. So for just a little background, like I'm a huge fan of the podcasts. How did this get made? <laughs> like huge fan, the best podcast ever, including ours, best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just like, like, they talk about bad movies. So I was like, what's something, like, I I just like film, I like TV. Both of us really like food film and food TV in particular. So I was like, I think this would be really fun to do. It's just let's watch a film and let's talk about it. So we thought we'd start with possibly our favorite food film, right? Yes, 100%. And that is the movie Chef. Yeah, so that movie came out in 2014, I think, which I didn't realize how long ago it had come out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was watching it, and I was, like, looking it up, just doing some, like, research on it, just for some more information, so we had it. And I was like, this movie came out s- almost seven years ago? Yeah. That's so long. <laughs> and to be honest, like, when you're watching it, not much of it feels that old, except for the references to social media and food blogging. Yes. <laughs> yes. I literally in my notes when I was taking notes watching it, I was like the intersection of like food, the food world and like professional chefs and then food bloggers and what they think of them and all that kind of stuff is so interesting. <laughs> Which kind of made it a cool choice for us to start with, I think. Yeah, like I almost like as much as it's one of my favorite films and I've watched it so many times, I forgot how heavily involved social media is in this film. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe we'll just do a brief synopsis of what the movie is about to kind mm-hmm. of start off. So uh, Chef Carl Casper, who is played by John Favreau, he is a professional chef in this restaurant, but he is struggling with his creativity and kind of balancing pleasing the guy who owns the restaurant, but also feeling fulfilled in his cooking and, you know, also his life as a father. All of those things are kind of struggling. And so he hits this point where he leaves the restaurant and he starts a food truck. And so it's about him kind of rediscovering his love of cooking and the magic of cooking that made him fall in love with it in the beginning. Yeah, I feel like it's like a coming of age film for adults. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. And when you hear John talk about it, too, it kind of was for him in a way. Yeah, I was actually looking into it because I want it because he's John Favreau wrote it, produced it and directed it and stars in it. So I kind of I was like, obviously, this is like his baby of a film because he does everything on it. I was like looking up to see like what inspired it, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't realize that he kind of wrote it in a semi-autobiographical kind of way that was about him and where he was at in his career and he was and where he was at in his like being a father with a very busy career and all that kind of stuff and I was like wow this feels so much more personal now right I never realized it either and even just the fact that like 
the way the character and him like they reflect each other like it's an indie movie quote unquote yeah and he was coming <laughs> off of making huge movies like marvel movies so he wanted to kind of step back from having to answer to a huge studio which is like mm-hmm. how carl casper wanted to step back from having to answer to a demanding restaurant yeah yeah no i thought it was it was interesting that like i never viewed the movie in that way until I started researching it and what the inspiration was behind it and I'm like oh my goodness (laughs) like and I feel like they analyze it so well of that like that line of making money and doing what is profitable but also doing what is creatively fulfilling it's isn't that what we're all after (laughs) I I was just saying I also feel like we talk about this in the podcast so much like is this not the perfect film to start this (laughs) little series with (laughs) because as you see carl going through these struggles and just feeling like he is stuck in a rut he can't make the things that he wants to make because he has to make sure the restaurant he has to answer to the restaurant's priorities which aren't his priorities and to me just like watching them like oh my god that struggle we all know that struggle so much carl just get back to the thing you love you're not happy yeah and i don't know if it was like like i saw this movie when it came out and I've seen it multiple times since but I don't know if it just like with the background that I know now about it after like watching it yesterday doing research about it and stuff it hit different yesterday when I watched it I was like whoa this this feels so like almost like a reflection of adulthood now like it always felt that way but I'm like wow I feel like I'm actually going through part of this now as of like as before like seven years ago I was like 20 years old (laughs) like yeah I feel like there's almost like three different ways you could come to it and one is like wow this is some delicious food I love all the food and the cooking stuff amazing and then two oh feeling stuck in a job that's not fulfilling you and then three balancing your job and other family responsibilities like him being a father and trying to improve and make up for time lost with his son like even that storyline I feel like hits differently every time you watch it and it's all all of it together is so good yeah and I will say before we keep going forward we'll start like talking more about like particular scenes and stuff there will be spoilers so if you haven't seen the film and you care about spoilers you should probably stop listening to this episode (laughs) of the podcast before you go watch the film uh if you don't care about spoilers continue on your merry way listening to this podcast episode (laughs) Mm -hmm. but before we start like getting into the actual film I will say I wrote down like overall notes and one of the things that I think I love about this film is even with like a really star-studded cast like John Favreau, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr. Like there's a lot of people in this movie. The food is still the star of it. Mm -hmm. Like you don't get distracted by any of the stars in this film. Yeah. And that's something that John kind of has mentioned too. Just the fact that there are these huge names sprinkled in, but the entire cast and the entire piece as a whole shines on their own yeah and I will say I I feel like a lot of credit goes to John but also more importantly who he brought in to help consult on the film Roy Choi who we've talked about on the podcast before who's just this like he's a professional chef I can't was it Koji is his food truck yeah Koji Korean barbecue food truck yeah like incredible chef um but also just like somebody who just loves food 
and yeah. isn't pretentious about food. He just uses food that's good. And it doesn't matter where it came from or what the background is or the quality of it. He just loves food and what it brings in all different levels of it. And I think his attitude towards food when you learn more about who Roy Choi is, you really see it in this film and who the in the Carl Casper character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just that background part about how Roy was involved in it and how John trained for it. That whole story in and of itself to me, I love so much. Mm -hmm. Because like Roy was uh, originally just going to be a consultant, right? Yeah. And then he just kind of got more involved. And I guess maybe John realized how much it could bring to the film if they had someone who was really making sure that along every step of the way, it was accurate and spoke to the experience so Roy ended up like co-producing yeah I'm pretty sure he started as a consultant and then partway through the film it just became more yeah um, and yeah he became a co-producer on it and I do remember reading something about the moment Roy Choi decided to like agree to be a consultant on this film and work on this film with him is that like he was talking to John and he was basically like he's like you know I will do this film as long as you get like you care about the details it's not just about the food it's also about the way a kitchen's set up and the way this is this because like movies get these little details wrong all the time and it doesn't do justice to the career of a chef exactly and even just in the way the food looked too like they talked about how normally you'd have a food stylist come in and take care of all the food stuff but instead you had a professional chef on set helping make the food and helping guide the actors in every scene that had food to make sure that it was accurate and it wasn't just about the food looking beautiful even though the food looked good all the time but it also looked true to how it would be in a yeah. kitchen or in real life yeah exactly they didn't add any like we've talked about this in the past podcast episode nothing was added to it because it makes it look prettier it was you could make a recipe from this film and it would be so delicious as is mm-hmm. and even just the work that the actors put into helping with that part too Oh my goodness, what reading about how much training John Favreau went through in order to do this film and like it shows because all of the as far as I know, all of the like prepping shots of like his hands and cutting the stuff is all actually John Favreau doing it. And it's so well done. Mm-hmm. Cause he so he started like shadowing Roy at his restaurant, right? And then even like working in the restaurant a little bit too, just to help like with prep stuff. And then to the point where he went to culinary classes that I read that he'd be at there like six AM in the morning and just all day one on one training with him to get him to the point that he was for the movie. Yeah. And this is something that I think I really like about the film and John in particular. Um, and I, he, I assume he's like this on all the films, but it really shines through on this film. But it seems like he genuinely cares about every, getting every detail right. And like he's like, I'm going to put in the work to make sure it's me doing this and it feels real and it feels like... And a chef watching it could be like, oh my God, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly how a chef feels with this or that's how an onion is cut and this is how it's plated and like every single thing. And I mean, we're not chefs, so we can't speak to necessarily the accuracy of everything but it seems like so much care went into this film and and John not only did so much care and time go into it it, John himself is actually seems so passionate about food to begin with yeah like he had been wanting to make a food film for a while after being inspired by other ones and 
it was so like you said important to him to make it true to the experience because i'm sure there's been so many food movies where chefs have watched it and just felt like this is not representing us well and just like anybody who has a job and sees it reflected in a movie and they're just like no that's not how it goes yeah, I think I read somewhere something about like the movie Burnt with Bradley Cooper, where like so many chefs were just mad about that one because they're like, this just isn't right. <laughs> yeah, they went, they were just trying to make it too much about the movie instead of about what it's representing. Yeah, instead of about honoring a career and the people who re- represent that career and that f- field of work, they just were trying to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think too, even I think Martin, like his sous chef, I'm pretty sure it was that actor who also did some training in restaurants and worked as like a line cook in a restaurant to study for the role. I will say I love his character so much, Martin. I think like as much as it shines through in John's character as well, in Carl, like the character of Martin, you can just tell loves food so much and just right? loves creativity. <laughs> I love that. Like when I watched Carl and uh, Martin's excitement about the food I felt like it, it could be like you and me yeah oh my god I literally wrote that down where I was like this feels like us <laughs> <laughs> like when um the scene where John is making the dish just to make the dish after the food blogger comes in and is like this is boring he's lost his touch and then John's like no I can still do this. So he makes all of these dishes just like on his own, spends all night in the kitchen. And then Martin comes in in the morning to try it. And when he tries it and he's just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, I felt that. Yeah. <laughs> I I know. Right. And even just the scene um, where they're getting the food truck ready and Martin's in the food truck creating the marinade for the pork and he's like dancing in the kitchen and I was like so much emotion comes through and so much passion comes through in this scene like I love this scene so much because it to me that scene represents the joy of food because it's not just in the flavor it's also in the process of making it yeah 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 and also oh my god I feel like we should have also started this episode with saying this is not a vegan friendly movie. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> no way. If, the yeah, opening if you're a scene vegan, has a pig. <laughs> yeah, if you're a vegan and very sensitive to seeing dead animals and things like that, this is not the film for you. Yeah, because like I was just going to mention the parts about where they're trying some of the meat, especially when they're trying the brisket and they're just like shaving off the pieces of it and just like savoring that taste. It's, I mean, even though it's not something that I could eat, I love that feeling and I felt that feeling so much and even that scene alone the accuracy of that scene like the guy who's serving them that brisket he's not an actor he owns that brisket place and he's just like a master of making this yeah no I know I think so much went into this movie to get the details right and like you can tell that guy's not an actor but it doesn't bother you because you know what is being represented is accurate Mm mm-hmm But even just like stemming off from that scene and multiple scenes in the film, when they're trying like when they're taking inspiration from individual ingredients and they're like eating this and they're like, oh, we should do sliders and this. And I was like this. It's just such the creativity in this movie feels so infectious because you're like, I every time I watch this movie, I just want to get into the kitchen and cook. 
right? It reminds you that there is so much creativity to be had with food. And we forget that so often. And especially I'm sure people who work in the industry forget it too. But even us who are like, oh, I just have to make food so that I, you know, don't pass out. But when you can actually like have fun and experiment with these different flavors and just like try stuff out, seeing that energy and that excitement just made me want to like do more of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I just like I I can't say enough good things about this film. It's truly like and I do think once we like we'll start going through particular scenes now, but like there are a couple scenes where I'm like, "Mm, don't love that. But like overall, this film is just so good. I love this film so much. And even just starting with I thought it was so interesting at the beginning of the movie that like where you see that kind of like divide between the restaurant world and the food truck world and like kind of what they think of each other and like this probably has changed obviously since this movie has been made but like seeing that like where he's like you know I'm I'm a real chef I'm not a food truck chef type thing it feels like you you feel that divide so much and you're like wow it's the world's kind of come a long way <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah because like food trucks weren't always as big as they are now I think we all kind of saw that boom happen and so maybe either from John learning about it or reading about it or from talking to Roy about it because he was one of the early ones who had like a very serious very notable food truck mm-hmm. I will say so come starting at the beginning of the film so the opening scene, I love that scene so much where it's just it's just about food. Like, I think the opening scene really sets the tone for this movie because it's all just food prep and him cooking and doing all this awesome stuff. And I'm like, you really like it sets it up being like this movie is about food and it celebrates food. Yeah. And I also watch it knowing that he studied food so closely so I'm like watching his technique I'm like yeah okay (laughs) I know literally every little thing he does like hand movements and all that stuff and like when you start seeing some more like behind the scenes stuff from it too and you see like Roy walking through the scene and then you see John and you're like it's like literally hand movement for hand movement and I'm like oh my like so much went into even just that grilled cheese scene like so much went into that one scene of just like a simple grilled cheese yeah yeah the technique so serious <laughs> um but the scene uh the farmer's market scene the very first one at the beginning of the movie where he's with his kid and he's like planning the menu and all that kind of stuff i love that scene so much because first of all i think it encompasses so many different things so there's that whole point where he's like picking out things for work he's that like busy career person he's choosing all the best ingredients all that kind of stuff um but then i the most relatableness ever when the kid is asking for kettle corn and he's like no no look how look how delicious this piece of fruit is have this fruit and then it cuts to a scene of them eating kettle corn (laughs) together and it just it feels so real (laughs) yeah he's like you don't want that that's just carbs coated in sugar oh but it's pretty good yeah it's just it's one of those things that like I think is such a food lover thing to include in a film is that like there are times where you kind of almost everyone feels a little pretentious about food is like how can I love this when this exists this fresh really delicious thing from nature exists but like it's okay to love carbs covered in sugar (laughs) yeah and then as that scene progresses like after they have the popcorn they go and have the sausages from New Orleans yes there's a line in that conversation that I just loved so much because like he's explaining to his son you know like this is how 
this is made in New Orleans. Like that's what it's going off of. And um, they talk about maybe going there to try it. But then his son's like, well, I've had this one now. And he's like, well, when you taste something like this, it's not just about the flavor. It's the memories you have with being there and trying it in New Orleans. Yeah, I literally I wrote that down, too. It's talking about the like experiencing the birthplace of of the food rather than just experiencing the food adds to the whole thing like it's not just about like like he said like kid to the kid's point you can get a lot of foods everywhere now but there's something about being in the place where it was created learning about the history the people who like it's such a big part of their culture that like it's that's that's what we talk about when we talk about food is more than just food like food is so much more than just the flavor of it and this it's the stories behind it and being able to go to the birthplace of a certain ingredient you learn so much about it and why people care about it so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you have that scene kind of come to a close and carl goes back to the kitchen and my favorite part when he comes back to the kitchen with the things from the farmer's market is uh tony i think his name is tony he's like the sous chef the right yeah where the fuck did you get these juicy ass tomatoes god <laughs> these are some great tomatoes and he just gets like so <laughs> excited over this produce i love it <laughs> I do think, again, as someone who's never been in a kitchen before, a professional kitchen, I do think they get, it feels like they get the atmosphere right. Mm. Or they're they're not like these pretentious people talking about food. He's just like, holy crap, this is such a juicy tomato. It's delicious. Like, it's just so chill. (laughs) Mm. And then after that, so all that stuff, we, we get into like, the I feel like the dilemma of the film is that where you, that creativity meets business (laughs) meets corporate world and how do you balance that and you see that in what's Dustin Hoffman right that's his name Mm -hmm. his character he owns the restaurant that Carl is a chef at and you like that you learn that they kind of had this agreement where like Carl basically like the kitchen is his domain but it's not his restaurant he was hired there all that kind of stuff but then you get to the point where they have a critic coming in, a food blogger. This is where social media... I love the way they talk about food bloggers in this film. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it it like hits so hard, but I'm also like, to a point sometimes, like I, I can understand like chefs who go through years and years of training to get to where they are and years of like abuse, like in the chef, in the cooking industry, it's like, it's not a stress-free job. So, like, years and years of this, to be able to be taken down by some food blogger who writes a few, like, nasty tweets. So, like, I can understand that kind of, like, uh, enemy energy between the two of the two worlds. Um, But this is where we finally start getting into that, like, cross-section of business versus passion and creativity. Um, And you see him arguing with Riva, Dustin Hoffman's character, about, you know, we have a critic coming in, a very famous food blogger. Um, I want to be really creative. The restaurant's in a creative rut and all this kind of stuff. And he's really excited about it. And then somehow Dustin Hoffman's character talks him into almost kind of like puts doubt into his cooking, talking about basically how, you know, you've been cooking this food for 10 years. People love it. They're still coming in all the time, all this stuff. Why change it? And then it just you see that kind of like that deflation of somebody who's so passionate about food get like pushed back down into, oh, this works. So I should just keep doing this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like when he after the fight between him and Riva and he comes out and he tells the staff what they're going to be cooking as he's reciting that menu, the look in his eyes is just like he's dead. 
He's not, there's no joy. There's no spark. He's just like, wait, this is what we got to do. Yeah, I literally, I was watching that film and it like, it hits so hard because you like, you're like, this feels like every decision I've regretted. Like, Mm -hmm. I can feel this so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just, it's, I, there was like a quote I wrote down from Reva that said, no one likes artsy shit because he had tried like sweetbreads or something. And like, to a point, like, like, I, th- I think I like this film so much, too, because they understand that creativity takes a lot. Like, it's it's a risky thing to do, to change something and do something different. But, like, in, sometimes it doesn't work out. Like, it points out in this film, he had tried putting sweetbreads on the menu and no one liked it and all this kind of stuff. And, like, it's so easy to let those failures really bring you down and bring down that doubt of trying something new because you see it in that scene through and through he pointed out that something didn't work so why would you try anything new anyways if this works um so it just it feels so real for any kind of human decision you have to make (laughs) yeah and then he has to he has to go through making this meal that he's not confident in he knows he can make it but he knows it's not going to do anything exciting right he knows it's nothing special because it's the same thing that he's been serving for the last five years yeah and so the reviewer comes in and even if the food is good it's not it doesn't have the carl casper spark that carl had you know years ago and so the the reviewer or the food blogger basically calls him out for being a sellout yeah yeah and it's it's one of those like i think it's one of those things that like Obviously, you can tell Carl's care or John's character Carl knew, like he obviously f- kind of felt like a sellout. I think, and felt like he was just doing what he was, what was comfortable, what people liked. He wasn't taking any risk, but like to be called out on such a public forum, and this is where social media really starts getting involved in the film, is like it it hurts <laughs> like it hurts a lot and it's a later scene in the film too where you see the whole breakdown of carl casper and just how much like words can hurt somebody who devoted their lives to a career and to passion and creativity like it's it's so heartbreaking to see mm-hmm. that like the point where he gives in decides to do the menu that he doesn't want to do and then you see that decline of where it just kind of all bursts and he just has this outburst that he can't control. Yeah. But before he gets to the outburst, you still have some incredible like Carl cooking moments. Like right after he sees the bad review that evening, you have the infamous Scarlet pasta that he makes for Scarlett Yo. Johansson. Like they call it Scarlet's pasta now. Yeah. Um, because Scarlett Johansson, who is Molly in the movie, she's over at his place and they're having like a late night snack, basically. But when you have a late night snack from somebody like Carl Casper, it's not just like something simple. It's this delicious, garlicky, oily pasta that is super simple when, I was gonna when say, you look at yeah, it. But, but my favorite thing is that so it is good. simple. Yeah. But it's so like not simple at all. <laughs> yeah, there's still a, some technique to it because like hello, how thin is that garlic? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is one of the dishes that a lot of people afterwards were like, how do I make this? I want this recipe to the point where mm-hmm. like they have posted a lot of the recipes from the movie online and you can make them exactly yeah. as they did. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that I loved about that scene is how much it comes through that food is such a love language for so many people. Because, like, they don't really speak to it much in the film, but their two characters obviously have some form of connection or some kind of relationship in some way. And, like, that scene where she just takes the first bite or she's just watching him cook, I was like, you can just tell how much food means to so many people and how just cooking for someone can be one of the greatest gifts you can give to somebody. Mm -hmm. And I even just, like, love the way his kitchen at his home looks. Mm -hmm. So I I was, like, reading a little bit into, like, the setup of the kitchen. And that was one of the things that Roy Choi was also very passionate about, is what a chef's kitchen looks like. Mm. And he talks about how, you know, a typical, like, when you look at a kitchen at a home, that is almost never how a chef would want their kitchen everything has to be open easily accessible it has to be made for efficiency and i think carl's home kitchen kind of exemplifies that so much right where it's like it it's a chef's kitchen it's not meant to look good it's meant for efficiency and yet it still looks really good like i look at that i'm like i want to cook in that (laughs) not only because it looks like it's set up well but it also just like i don't know there's something about it that just feels like it could also help inspire the creativity of a chef yeah so yeah obviously the review comes out and it's not good um and this leads into carl like kind of having you start to see the pain he's feeling in his life of it's not just him not feeling creative anymore it's him feeling not like himself anymore um and then uh which i will say this leads into a scene where he goes to his ex-wife's house who was played by Sofia Vergara and they like talk about and stuff I love that relationship so much Mm -hmm. like I love to see uh two people who used to be married have a child together and they just like are still friends and still like they still support each other they still love each other they still care about each other it's just such a lovely relationship to see in a film yeah exactly because you don't get to see that a lot and so people don't believe that that can exist but it it can right so then it kind of leads into that scene where he is uh just cooking up a storm on his own in the kitchen overnight right he's experimenting with these things that he hasn't cooked with in a while and he just wants to you know remind himself even that he can make these exciting and creative things again yeah and then we get the best line of the film fuck twitter yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so basically his sous chef and i don't know what martin's title is at that is he just a line cook i don't know what his title is yeah uh but martin and tony's uh they come into the kitchen and find him cooking and all this food and all this stuff and it comes up uh they mention you know this is amazing fuck twitter and yeah. you kind of figure out that basically the food blogger was, t- or no, the the um, the review that the food blogger put out has gone viral on Twitter, essentially. And like people are like bashing him on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. And he's not on social media, so he has no idea about all of this stuff. Uh, and this kind of is the start of getting into how social media can really affect things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the relationship between food and social media and how food changed because of social media like we know that social media impacted so many things in life but this is just how it might have impacted food and the restaurant industry and all that yeah one of the things that i think stood out for me for that scene is so when they were when his sous chef when his two chefs were trying the food and they were like well this is so good 
and he kept asking he's like are you are you like are you lying is are you true i was like you feel the insecurity that that one bad review left in him and like it feels so real as two people who post things on the internet bad comments leave so much like there's there's one bad comment is so much more powerful than like a hundred positive comments and it's sad to say because like like again like obviously he didn't cook the food he wanted to cook but like Riva mentioned he has people in his restaurant every night his restaurant's always booked and everyone likes it but then this one person didn't like it and said he wasn't creative enough and you feel the insecurity that's in him now because he's literally double checking and second guessing everything Mm -hmm. and even that moment is kind of subtle just like the number of times he asks it you might not even notice it but yeah. if you're paying attention, he does. He just keeps saying, sure, you sure. So th- it was good. You know, you think, is yeah. it anything wrong with it? Like, it's seasoned yeah. okay? And just that speaks so much to what is going on inside his head. And the buildup to a seed, a very dramatic seed to come. <laughs> yeah, because next he has to kind of figure out, okay, well, how, what is Twitter? How does Twitter work? <laughs> yeah, which, and it leads to a very nice bonding moment for him and his child where you kind of see a mesh of generations in this scene where you see this generation that grew up with social media that knows exactly what it is that doesn't find it weird or doesn't find it um different teaching an older generation who didn't grow up with social media and this is very new for them and the effect that it can have and you see this like really nice bonding moment between him and his son where his son is setting him up a twitter account (laughs) yeah even though i still found it so weird that his son is only 10 yeah. And he's doing all this social media stuff. And I, was like, I know. It just seems so, so young, but it, whatever. They make it work in the film. And I'm sure that still does happen in real life, as weird as it is. 100%. <laughs> uh, but also, you, you get that, like, uh, off of the social media, you get that grilled cheese scene in that moment. And that grilled cheese scene is like blows my mind every time because grilled cheese I think is just one of those things that like everyone loves it's so simple and you you think of it as simple you're like oh I just I'll just make a grilled cheese for dinner I'll just do this I'll just do this but the care that goes into this grilled cheese is so next level yeah it's another one of the iconic recipes in the movie and it's just a grilled cheese but there's like three different kinds of cheese on this and even the fact that they cook it open face first and not mm-hmm. as a sandwich first which I mean I don't really do but I wish I did because it just yeah. looks the way that you like once you see at the end of the film there's a behind the scenes of Roy yeah. showing John how to make it and once you kind of realize that you're just playing with the heat and making sure that the bread is actually getting toasted properly too like if you got to balance both of those things to make a really mm-hmm. good grilled cheese yeah um, and also, I will say the best moment in the film is when he bites into that grilled cheese and the sound of the crunch of the grilled cheese literally makes me crave everything. I just like I'm like, I just want a grilled cheese right now. That sound alone. I know. I feel like I go into this movie knowing I'm going to crave certain foods. So be, just be prepared <laughs> by the ingredients ahead of time. Yeah, really. I'd be like, OK, I'm going to watch Chef on the weekend. I should probably have grilled cheese ingredients ready. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so his son sets him up a Twitter account, kind of kind of shows him how it works, and then his son falls asleep and he's left to mm-hmm. his own devices, scrolling through Twitter. <laughs> da, da, da. We, all, we all know if you scroll too long on Twitter, you're going to get mad or sad. And Carl, he gets kind of mad and he tweets something to the food blogger, not knowing that it's public. And basically, like, 
uh, insinuates a fight because he says that the food blogger wouldn't know good food if it sat on his face. Which, like, horrible insult. <laughs> it, just like, I was like, I was like, oh, it's so cringy how bad that comeback is. <laughs> oh, but I also, I just love it. It's so good. Yeah. It feels so, real. <laughs> yeah. So he, he tweets that, like, late at night on his own, wakes up. He's making breakfast for his son, which, again, even just him making that, it's gorgeous. Oh, my. The hash brown? Oh. Right? The hash oh, brown. Looks so good. And his son is scrolling on Twitter and realizes, oh, what did you do last night? Realizes I should have hit the iPad. <laughs> yeah. So Carl thought it was a private message. It wasn't. It was public. Everyone has seen it. Everyone is retweeting it. It's gone viral. And the food blogger ha- responds eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the food blogger, resp- he responded by morning and the kid read it out to him, remember? Where it's like, I would rather have you sit on my face after a brisk walk than <laughs> suffer through your molten lava cake again or something like that. Yeah. So then Carl responds and says that he can show him good food. Come to the restaurant yeah, no, again. I actually really like the scene where he responds to him because he responds to him back in the restaurant with his mm-hmm. chefs there. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to respond. And his chefs are telling him not to. The whole time they're like, no, don't do it, don't do it, um, because they apparent they seem to know social media more than Carl Casper does, um, and they keep telling him not to do it. And then he hits that send button, and it feels like such, like, such a big thing for social media. It's like that you you sent it, it's gone now. Like that, it's kind of like that. That in the moment you're so heated that like it gives you that it shows you how powerful social media can be in a sense that like you feel so heated and it's so easy to send something out but maybe you should second get like give it a second thought before you actually send it out <laughs> mm-hmm. and i will say too just like a nice little thing that they added to the movies is the little sound effects and animations when the tweets get sent like it's mm-hmm. just a little bird fluttering yeah it's so cute <laughs> um so yeah he basically says he'll make him a new menu if he comes back to the restaurant it's kind of, it feels kind of like similar to what happened last time, except different. So Carl plans to do a whole new menu, all this stuff. The owner comes back and basically says no. Doesn't even give him a choice this time. Says no. There's a couple lines that the owner says to Carl that like hit really hard, I feel like, for creative people, where he's like, be an artist on your own time. Right. You know, this this isn't your food i own this like this is my restaurant and like i was just like that hits hard for any creative person yeah so it ends up like they they fight enough that carl walks out so he calls on his sous chef to leave with him his sous chef doesn't his sous chef stays and cooks the meal how did you feel about that scene oh tense i felt tense because you want him (laughs) to follow but I do like how Carl handled it in the end. Mm-hmm. Because you can't yeah. blame them for, like, Tony for not wanting to follow. And then Martin starts to go and follow Carl. And he says, no, you got to stay. Yeah. Which, like, Martin is literally the most loyal friend anyone could ask for. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. But basically, yeah. So I really enjoy the next scene where it's, like, kind of like the competing view. Where you see Carl goes home. 
brings all the food that he was going to cook at the restaurant home with him and makes the meal he was going to make at home while simultaneously you see the restaurant and you see the critic get the same meal over and over same meal he got last time you see the like hecticness of the kitchen and you kind of see that contrast of passion to business kind of laid out for you in that scene Mm -hmm. and i do really enjoy the expressions on the food blogger's face as the same dishes keep coming out he's sitting there like thinking am i getting pranked like what is this (laughs) yeah yeah i i really enjoy that too because like he was i like you come to realize later that he was genuinely there he was really excited to find out find a new menu and hope to see like the real Carl Casper but then he, he gets just the same thing and he's like wait what <laughs> mm-hmm. and so and then it kind of it escalates again due to Twitter right because the food blogger posts something else that uh Carl needs to retaliate against he needs to stand up for himself because the, the food blogger has called him out again and he's not even there to do anything yeah he basically says, like, Carl Casper is a no-show, um, and, like, maybe it wasn't, like, maybe it was a lack of passion that I was tasting in the food or something, like, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carl reads it, because he now has Twitter on his phone, not just his <laughs> iPad. <laughs> and it leads to a very, I feel like, a very emotional scene of Carl confronting the food blogger in the restaurant and being very vulnerable and just kind of unable to control emotions where he's constantly yelling he's not needy it hurts when you write stuff like that and you can see the like physical and emotional pain he's in from one bad review and the years of just not feeling creative mm-hmm. yeah like him saying i'm not needy but then like shouting at him was i like <laughs> yeah. the contrast of that but i also didn't yeah. realize how many times he really says like it hurts your words when you say these things they hurt people we are working so hard and you're gonna like destroy somebody's career with these words like your words mean something and you were using them against us and it hurts yeah i feel like you the contrast of the effect of what social media has really comes through in that scene because social media like before it wasn't so easy to write a bad review about somebody or this or this now anyone can do it and anything can go viral and you don't realize how powerful that is until it happens to you or you're at the end of the positive or negative side of it or whatever it is and I think it really comes through in that scene just how we forget sometimes that at the tail end of everything is still a human being mm-hmm. yeah even behind like a professional chef who you think is supposed to have some kind of like tough skin about it but no it still hurts yeah so carl obviously loses his job the video mm-hmm. obviously gets filmed by a bunch of restaurant people it goes viral of him screaming at a food blogger <laughs> smushing a molten lava cake <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, I will say about that scene when he talks about how a chocolate lava cake isn't just an underbaked chocolate cake. It and he explains the technicalities of it. I think I love that part so much cuz even as two people who cook on the internet, I like I think people often for, like they forget that there is a difference between a food blogger and a chef. Not every like 
there is a big difference and it comes through in that moment where the food blogger didn't realize doesn't have that technical background yet they're the ones destroying careers of people who went to school for years to learn about this stuff and I think I like that scene even as somebody on the internet who did not go to culinary school and provides recipes to people because it adds so much realness and a little bit of humility to people who like go out there and I'm not saying food bloggers aren't talented and really great at what they do but understanding that there is different levels of like this person went to culinary school and knows a lot (laughs) like there's more to it than just it's a really good gooey chocolate cake no there's so much technique that goes to it that you're discounting just because you don't know about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's good to recognize your that you don't know everything right especially as food bloggers right now yeah okay so moving forward the video goes viral carl loses his job pretty much loses like other job opportunities because you know it's not he's not looking like a good prospect right now to any other restaurants he's not a good business opportunity for anybody on the business side no one's gonna hire him because he's gonna yell at food critics (laughs) exactly so he's feeling even more lost than before he's not really sure what to do he kind of actually avoids seeing his son at this time too because he just he feels like so ashamed of who he is and that he he can't be around his son when he's not at his best and he's just an embarrassment and so he, he kind of like takes that time and steps back but part of him and I really do like part of him finding his way again is prompted by his ex-wife saying well we're going to Miami to see my dad because I want him to you know we got to go visit him and do you want to come so that you can watch after can you watch after Percy while I have to do work stuff? And Which, love that. I also think it's funny that Carl's like, you want me to be the nanny? And in my head, I'm like, no, she wants you to be the dad, maybe? <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, I love that. He's like, so wait, I'm the nanny? I was like, no, you're the father. <laughs> yeah. So, and another big part about going to Miami is that, like, that's where Carl kind of, like, got his start with cooking and working in restaurants. So, going back to that, I think she is hoping will kind of help him find his way again yeah and his passion again yeah so they take a family trip to Miami yeah and they we're introduced to like the food of the movie which is a Cubano sandwich mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's this scene where they're at a restaurant with the granddad or like Inez's father and yep. they're eating these Cubano sandwiches or at least Carl is and he's just, he's like taking bites out of it and he's just like this is this is like the best thing. this is so good this is such a good sandwich and he's just like he takes one bite says it takes another bite he's just like so excited about it and I also yeah. like how he starts to take the bite before they barely even place oh, the plate oh my goodness I wrote that down too yeah. I literally wrote down where I did hold on Carl picking up the Cubano sandwich before the plate is even on the table feels like the most relatable thing in the world for anyone who loves food. (laughs) But I think like the best moment in that scene is when he's like, don't you think this is like the best sandwich ever? And she turns to him and is like, yours are better. And it's like he never believed that. And something about her saying it in that moment, suddenly he did believe it and he was surprised by it. So you kind of see something maybe click in his mind at that point. Like, what? You really think mine are better than this? This? Yeah. 
<laughs> that he thinks are so incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. That basically leads into him reconsidering the food truck idea, which it sounds like Inez, his ex-wife, has kind of been telling him to do for a while. Like she's always told him, you're never going to be happy cooking for somebody else. Cook for yourself. Be your own boss. A food truck could be a good way to do that. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Robert Downey Jr.'s character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The scene when <laughs> Carl is walking through robert downey jr's office and he has to wear these like almost like surgical booties on his shoes to not mess up the floor and he he's slipping around the entire way i laughed so hard at that (laughs) it's on it's just one of those like it's at you're at kind of like a heavy point of the film and you just need that little bit of comedic break (laughs) so the whole point of carl meeting with him is because he you know he's a little wealthy he's well off um, and he has a truck that Carl can use. I also will say, I, I like Robert Downey Jr. I hate his character in this film so much. He's oh, yeah, just and you're supposed bang. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he is just leaning right into that and soaking it up. <laughs> I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is really good at playing a douchebag. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah. So, this starts the food truck journey. He mm-hmm. basically gets this really old, beat-up food truck and you get this montage of him kind of fixing it up, cleaning it up, working to make it something. Yeah. And like honestly, when that truck turns the corner and you see it, I always forget how bad it looked. And I can't believe, you know, it's a movie magic, whatever. But just like, how did they do that? Because it's really, it's so worn down on the outside and on the inside. So he and Percy just go to work scrubbing it down pulling out appliances and stuff but carl is also very particular about you know you keep the metal stuff because this is like good quality this can be cleaned this is probably more expensive we keep what we can you know keep yeah i also feel like we have a really good moment in that scene between him and percy where percy gets really upset that he asked him to clean out a dish or something he gets really upset and he's like, you know, I wanted to come and cook, not clean the kitchen. You know, I wanted to be with you in the kitchen and cook. And you kind of get this real moment where like he, the dad, the father is teaching the son that, you know, life isn't all the good stuff all the time. You kind of have to do this stuff in order to also do the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of get this really nice heartfelt moment of this like life lesson built into there. And also like a lesson for the dad too, because he gets like really short tempered with him in those moments too. And you get that. And then it leads into honestly, my dream come true. It's like the Costco of kitchen gears. Like when he's walking down the aisles, picking out stuff with him and him and Percy. And I'm like, I want to be there. <laughs> right. It's just like, well, we need this one. This will fit. Oh, we need two of these. He's just like going through it like a total boss. And I also just like that you know, money doesn't seem to be a factor in any of this, which I get because he's got like the money from his ex-wife and his ex-wife's ex-husband. And he does mention later in the film that all his credit cards are basically match- maxed out. So yeah, he goes all in on this and he has some support from, you know, the others. But my favorite part of this um, shopping scene is obviously the end of it where he picks out the chef's knife for Percy. Like how yeah. could you could you do a cuter thing? No, right? I don't think so. I also feel like it's like for those who are chefs and in culinary school, and again, neither one of us are those people, but I feel like there is like 
from what I understand, there is this special moment where a chef gets their chef's knife. And it's like, you're now, you are a chef now. Obviously, Percy's not a chef. He's 10 years old. But there's something special about it where it's like, this is yours. You know, I have my own personal chef's knife. You know, he trusts me or this and he wants me to be a part of this. And there's this like this really special moment of him giving his son his very first chef's knife. Yeah, and like saying, I'm going to teach you how to use that and we're going to get to do this thing together. And you can just see the look on Percy's face like, oh my God, I get to be a part of this. This is going to be so fun. And he just feels like so special in that moment. And like, what a cool thing. He gets this little mini chef's knife. Oh my God, my heart melts. And then Martin's back. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yes, that. Because while Carl is cleaning the truck, he gets a call from Marty, Martin. And just like, what's up? And he's like, you're never going to believe it. I got the truck. I'm going to I'm going to go in all in on this truck. And then Carl and Percy get back to the truck yard where they're cleaning up the truck and they've got all the appliances and stuff and they're trying to deal with that. And then this taxi cab rolls up and Martin gets out and he's like, I'm here. I quit. And I as soon as you called because of the, the sound of your voice, like I could hear it in your voice. And I told you. As soon as you started something, I was going to drop everything to be part of it. And I just love that Martin could hear Carl's excitement through the phone. He's like, I got to be a part of this. This is it. Yeah. And just, again, you get one of those really lovely friendship moments where it's this friend who just like wants, they're just like clearly very good friends. And he drops everything, quits his job for something that he doesn't even know if it's going to work, but he believes in his friends so much and believes that the two of them can create something really amazing. Yeah. So, you know, then it progresses. They keep building the truck. They get the truck all ready. Then you've got that scene where Martin is, you know, making the first Cubano. So he's like marinating the meat and he's cooking the The meat. Classic dancing scene. Oh, so great. Yeah, even I the love music. that scene so much. Yeah. And so then Percy gets to try it for the first time, too, because he's not had some of this food. And that kind of gets the ball rolling. Like, the truck is ready. This is We're going to make Cubanos. We're going to do the yucca fries. And they had one other thing, right? Um, they did plantanos. Yes. Plantains. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, do you love the vegan call out in that moment? Oh, yeah, because Percy is just like, is it? Percy says something along the lines of like, he's like, you know, I think they sold this at the store. We could have just bought it at the store after they made that like pork and they cooked it everything. And then uh, they were cutting it up to trying it. And Percy asked to try some. And and then Martin says, no, you you don't want any of this. You're probably a vegan anyhow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, so so yeah, definitely not a vegan friendly film. (laughs) No. But then you get that very first taste of the Cubano sandwich. The three of them, they make the Cubano and you see the like passion ignite in Carl again when he tries it and he's like, oh my God, this is it. Mm -hmm. And you see each step of the process too, right? It's like two slices of this, two slices of this, the two pickles, the mustard, you got to wipe it with the butter and then press it and bingo, bango, it looks so good. (laughs) Yes. Um, And then, yeah, that's the scene that made me want to get a panini press. So, <laughs> right. God, sandwiches. I so literally good. was like online shopping right after the movie ended. I was like, I got to find one. <laughs> <laughs> and then so they cook for the guys, the workers that help them just to kind of test it all out. Um, and then basically they're done and it sets up and then 
Martin, it, the truck is left with Martin to kind of finalize. And I will say one of the most unrealistic, I feel like moments of the film is that he gets it painted and finished in a day. So <laughs> that much. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But then it finally feels real. The truck is done. The truck is painted. It's really beautiful. It like it looks like a food truck that would be successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're still in Miami at this point. So they go down to South Beach and they're just like, we're going to do this thing. We're going to try yeah. this out. And pretty much right away they've got a crowd because you got Martin. He hangs off the side of the truck and he kind of <laughs> yeah. does his promotional spiel, which is like, God, how, how could you not? He's just got I, so right? much charisma and energy. Yeah. So right away, there's a crowd for the truck. Yeah. I have written down here. Do you know the ca- the call out for Vine? <laughs> Is it in that scene? I don't think it's in that exact scene. I okay, think yeah. he was there. It's when they're driving to their next location. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Percy's talking about social media stuff. And he wants to show him a video. And he's like, it's just a six second video. And they're like, six seconds video. And they're like, yeah, it's Vine. <laughs> I was like, oh my Vine God. call out. <laughs> rest in peace mine right they're basically they go to new orleans which is like you it's mentioned right at the beginning of the film with the andouille sausage it's supposed to be a trip that carl and percy were gonna go on they had to cancel it and then finally they get to go to new orleans yeah because the whole thing is like they have to drive the truck back from miami to la so they gotta make this road trip and percy is allowed to join like at first carl was kind of like no you can't come you're gonna you don't want to be part of this. And then Percy asks his mom and there's the whole like fun. They're drinking beers and smoking cigars and just hanging yeah. out. Go, well, I guess you can join. So the three of them set out for this road trip. Mm-hmm. And then they're off to New Orleans, which also has another lovely father-son bonding moment where they go to the market to get beignets. And then Percy is so used to him, his dad always working and be like, oh, what do we have to do next? And his dad's like, no, this is it. We're just hanging out. And the happiness that comes to Percy's face is just so adorable. Mm-hmm. And even like the conversation, like just speaking to like the beignets, him having them, the conversation leading up to them going to New Orleans. I think it is it Martin and Carl are like, oh, you always remember your first beignet. Yeah. It's like how good it is. And also, I will say the beignet scene where you actually see them, like, making the beignets. It's a really quick scene. It's, like, a quick few seconds. The beignets are being, like, thrown into the oil and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's something so special about seeing a kitchen that's been working together for years. And it's, like, this, like, nothing can go wrong. It's, like, robotic almost where it's just, like, this really well-oiled machine. And there's something so nice about seeing a kitchen like that. Mm -hmm. So then we come back from these nice moments. And Martin is quite upset, which is out of character for him. You never see him get <laughs> ma- angry like this. And he's like, where have you been? I've been texting you. I've been calling you. Why are you getting to your phone? All this stuff. And Carl's like, what? What's going on? We're shopping. And you see around the side of the truck that there is a huge lineup already for the food. And they haven't even started. I'm like, how did this happen? And Percy's like, well, I tweeted it out and I geotagged it. So everyone's, and they're like, everyone's here because of you? Like, yeah, Percy's I will on say, the early social media game. Yeah, I will say I feel personally threatened by Percy's success in social media at 10 years old. He's making it look way too easy, but, like, maybe that many years ago it, it was easier. But come on, Percy. Yeah, and also, and also he's starting with, like, a semi-famous father. Like, people mm. know who Chef Carl Casper is, so it's fair. But I literally, I was like, social media isn't this easy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, how dare you? A 10-year-old can't do it that well. <laughs> but yeah, so basically they're, they cook for all the people in New Orleans, all that kind of stuff. They have a scene that sticks in my mind all the time is the glob of butter on the spatula when Percy's buttering one of the breads for the Cubano sandwich. And there's literally like two cups of butter on yeah. the spatula. <laughs> like... There's so much amazing stuff going on, but all I could see is that. <laughs> uh, but we basically see, like, just the truck continues to thrive and see success. And you see also see that through, like, a montage of Percy's social media posts and just, like, other compliments of the truck on through Twitter and stuff like that. And then they make their way to Texas. Yes, where you we see the Texas barbecue that we mentioned earlier on. Um, and one of the things I actually really enjoy about this is basically they pick up two, four briskets, um, from this like local Austin, Texas barbecue joint. And one of the things that I really enjoy about this is that it really emphasizes collaboration over competition where it's like, it's a food truck getting some of its supply from a local restaurant when like most of the time you could almost view yourself as competition but just work together and it's fine and you create this really amazing product and it's more about what you produce rather than who's winning Mm -hmm. you also kind of get the sense that carl already had a really good relationship with the restaurant because they walk in and martin's like oh they're all sold out and carl's like no i think they're holding some for us and they did and then i really enjoy the scene where they are they're trying the brisket. You know, they're just sitting around a picnic table trying what they purchased. And I like that it's Percy who is like, we should put this on sliders. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah we should do that with this and with this. And just the fact that, like, he is now contributing to the menu in that way. And no and one questions level, it. Yeah. This, like, level of respect that's just yeah. there. Because they're like, no idea is necessarily a bad idea. It's This is how creativity happens is you meld a bunch of minds together. Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, they've got the slider and then another another menu item from the brisket that they add, right? Yeah, I don't remember what it was, though. Two, two menu items get added from picking up these briskets, and then they just continue their trip and continue all these adorable memories together. Like, that's kind of what the rest of the film um, captures, is just they've all kind of found a groove, maybe... Um, Carl and Percy have improved and repaired their relationship, but then they get back to LA and it's like, oh no, we're going to be hit with the actual reality. Real life again. Um, But I will say before, before we get back to LA or wherever they're from, one of the things that I think really shined through when they're in Austin, Texas, is how much music is also a part of this film because mm-hmm. like there first of all if you have not heard the soundtrack to this film get it because it is amazing and i just like for a film that celebrates food it also in a way celebrates music and culture so well yeah because you kind of hear the music um progress and complement the food and the film as it goes right yeah but yeah so then they they're back in la and they're basically at a food festival this is. I was looking this up. I don't know if it's a fest. I don't. I wouldn't. Maybe it's not a festival, but okay. it's like a food truck central okay, area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which I didn't realize when watching the film, but that's where Roy Choi's food truck got its start. At that specific location. 
Yeah. At that specific location. So it kind of ties back to kind of like part of the heart and soul of this film and Roy Choi's influence on this film is that it ended in a place that means so much to Roy Choi. Yeah. I will say throughout the film, I was really trying to look for a Roy cameo and I don't think it happened. I don't think so. Um, But I will say this movie really makes me miss uh, food festivals and like food trucks and just going out and eating good food. Oh my goodness, I miss it. Right? Oh. So, okay, yeah. So we get to this moment where they're back in LA. They're still kind of doing their thing. Percy is helping as much as he can because he's also like, you know, back to school and all that stuff. But there's a scene where the food blogger shows up at the food truck and obviously he's met with some hostility and at this point too Inez is in the truck helping them too right it's become kind of like a a whole family ordeal and so they're like we don't want to talk to you what do you want and so Carl kind of goes around and talks to him and he says I sent somebody to get your food so I could try it because I knew you wouldn't want to serve me and it's some of the best food I've ever had and he basically says like I can't write about the truck because I want to back you. Like, I want to invest in this because this is I want to fund you, basically. Yeah, because this is some of the best food I've ever had. And so it'll be, if you want to work with me on this, it'll be your say, it'll be your food done your way. Yeah. And you kind of get that roundabout moment where it's like, it started with a guy who was trying to, like, balance an owner who just wanted to make money and please everybody and a chef who just wanted to be creative and create still delicious food that people would like, but like take some risks and do something fun and creative and passionate. Um, And you get this roundabout moment where you find you kind of it, you get this nice meld of social media and food world again, <laughs> where the where it ends up the critic who just wanted to see him be successful and be creative ends up backing him so that he can do that. Yeah, because uh, we should also note the food blogger sold his blog for so much money that he could open <laughs> a restaurant now and back all of this. <laughs> yeah, there's some point in the film where they talk about how he like sold his blog to AOL for like $10 million. And I'm like, I'm yeah, sorry, like, what? is this based in reality? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and who knows, maybe at that point, like maybe seven years ago, there was something like that that happened. But I don't think that would happen anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> But then basically you get the final scene of the film where his food truck has now become an actual restaurant, like a bricks and mortar mm-hmm. restaurant. Um, and it's full. It's like it's it's so nice to see that final like the restaurant is so soulful. It has so much personality. Um, it's got so much passion and creativity just in the walls. And this before you see any food, you don't really even see food much in the final few scenes of the film you just kind of get that atmosphere of you know everything feels right again and feels happy again yeah it's like he he kind of found himself again like the movie does such a good job of balancing like this pursuit of your passion this just respect for food and the cooking process yeah and and then just like some adventure and some good uh heartwarming family feels yeah. Spoiler alert, he ends up marrying Inez again. <laughs> yeah, they get back together. Which, that's great, too. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, honestly, this film is one of my favorite movies ever. It just like the foodie in me loves it so much because it celebrates food. But also it's just such a nice personal story to watch. Mm-hmm. And this watch through too, I just feel like every time I watch it and I learn more about the film and maybe behind the scenes of the film, I just love it more and more. Mm-hmm. Because for those that don't know, they've also released a series called The Chef Show where it's basically John Favreau and Roy Choi in a cooking show together, learning about food together. And it's kind of an extension of Chef. And I feel like after watching and becoming obsessed with The Chef Show, Chef means so much more too when you see the relationship of Roy and John. Exactly, exactly. I think in the beginning of The Chef Show, they fully say, you know, we just kind of missed cooking together. So we thought, let's make a show and see what we can do. And I, we won't get too much into it because there's obviously going to be Chef Show episodes that we want to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, just the relationship between John and Roy and all of that is, I love it so much. Yeah, it's... It, it's truly one of those films that I feel like if you if you can handle the meat and seeing the meat and everything in it, would highly recommend giving a watch. I never get tired of it. All around, it's such a perfect film. Um, I think the acting's great. The music's great. The heart and soul of the film is incredible. Um, and I also just like, I'm biased because I love Jon Favreau so much, but... <laughs> I don't know I just I honestly think it's just such a perfect film because it like there's so much amazingness like I said the music's incredible the acting's good there's it's star-studded but still the food shines through as the star in the end of the movie and I just love it so much yeah I mean okay so clearly we could not say enough good things about this movie and we do really enjoy it and you know, this is kind of like what we hope to explore more is just to talk about these shows or movies that capture that excitement of food, or maybe they do a bad job of it, or maybe they're just like silly, like Ratatouille, and we want to watch that too. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's on our list. <laughs> yeah. Because as people who make food and just enjoy the process too, we also like to watch food being made and not just on YouTube. Like we have a lot of respect for that too, but it is fun to watch these different forms of entertainment that surround food and the conversations and the stories about food. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should say, we've got like a long list of stuff that we would love to talk about. We're very excited, but also if you have recommendations, feel free to send them to us because we are always like, even just for ourselves, we're always looking for more food to watch. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Cannot get enough. Um, so we hope you enjoyed our very in-depth analysis of chef <laughs> movie. Yeah. And be sure to subscribe to the channel or to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes, <laughs> but also sub subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want to check out any of our recipes we are Two Market Girls on YouTube and twomarketgirls.com for the recipes. And we're on the socials, too. I mean, we're not as good as Percy, I guess, but you can find us at Two Market Girls. Yeah, I mean, like, we're like, okay, but, like, we're not <laughs> Percy level yet. We're trying, okay? Yeah, we're not, like, some 10-year-old with a old <laughs> iPhone and a little iPad, okay? God, I miss Vine. <laughs> oh, the days of Vine. <laughs> Vine was just like social media in its purest. <laughs> <laughs>